me take just a word to express my sincere thanks to our brother Kyle and for the Lord's Supper meditations today. A lot of thought and preparation went into each one. And I am grateful for the fact that he not only revealed the love of God for us, he revealed his heart. Kyle revealed his heart while he was talking about these matters. Well done, brother. Well done. Brief lesson tonight. The gospel in the book of Acts. This morning it was observed that we need to focus on the message proclaimed in the book of Acts. And we went to Acts chapter 8 and did just that from the one chapter looking at seven things said about the gospel, interchangeable terms like the word or to preach Christ. Secondly, this morning we noted focus on the results. To really think about the greatness of the gospel, focus on the results. And we focused on two words especially, the word salvation and the word forgiveness. And we looked at a number of references from Acts to those two terms. So the proclamation of the message of what God has done in Jesus due to His great love and the cross result in our salvation and our forgiveness. Then we talked about focusing on the beginning. And at that particular point, I took you to Acts chapter 2 and how that it emphasizes gospel events, the life and ministry of Jesus. Acts 2 does. How it talks about His death and His burial and His resurrection. Then we talked about gospel testimony, gospel witnesses, and how the prophets of, old, of the Old Testament and the apostles in the New bear witness to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Then we noted something about gospel promises. The forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2.38. And we looked at gospel conditions. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And then from verses 42 through 47, we talked about gospel life, living the saved life, the forgiven life, as the people of God, the church. Tonight, quickly, and you can follow along and every passage will come from the book of Acts, just as it did this morning. Every passage will come from the book of Acts. We need to focus on cases or examples of conversion. Focus on cases or examples of conversion. You have to in the book of Acts because Acts is really about what I call the three C's. Christ, conversion, and the church. Christ, conversion, and the church. 
And while there are other great themes throughout the book of Acts, don't miss what it's got to say about Jesus, how to come to Jesus, and don't miss about what it says about the family of God, the church. All right. Following along quickly, Acts 2. Acts 2, examples of conversion. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, they obviously believe and are touched by the sermon that Peter has been preaching concerning Jesus and his life and ministry and death and burial and resurrection. And Peter culminates the sermon by saying, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus that you crucified. And at that very moment in the sermon, the sermon is interrupted by people asking, What shall we do? I'd give my left arm to be interrupted sometimes with a question like that. And the response is found in Acts 2.38. People who believed are explicitly told to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. One is on rock-solid ground to say the same thing to somebody today. We have no right to say anything different. Acts chapter 8. Turn there in your Bibles. In Acts chapter 8, noted this morning, Philip goes to preach to the Samaritans. He preaches to them the Christ. Verse 5. The Word. He preaches things concerning the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 8 and verse 12. And the passage says specifically, believing they were baptized. Do you see that? Go down just a verse or two in Acts 8. Because what we are doing is looking at the 10 or 11 cases of conversion in the book of Acts. Because that tells us about how people respond to Christ how people are converted to Christ, how people are added to the church, the body of Christ. And when we look at Acts chapter 8, look at verse 13, and we have the example of Simon the sorcerer. The text will say, depending on the translation you're reading, even Simon, or Simon also, believing was baptized. Now, he wanted to try to buy the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 8 would go on to tell us. But we have no reason to question that he sincerely responded to the gospel of Jesus. Continue with me in Acts chapter 8. Notice verses 26 through 40. The conversion of the Ethiopian treasurer. Why is this significant? Keep looking. He hears the message of Jesus because he has been reading from Isaiah chapter 53. And what an opportunity 
Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? How can I accept someone guide me? And beginning with that scripture, he taught him Jesus. As you keep reading the account in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, concerning the conversion of this nobleman, he believes what is said about Jesus. And he says, note verses 36 and following, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? The text would go on to say they went down into the water. They came up out of the water. What we have here is faith. What we have here is repentance implied. You will see in verse 37 in a number of translations... Confession made, certainly that would be in harmony with responding to the will of God. Remember how the Bible harmoniously reveals Jesus, the Christ, conversion. And while the Bible may say more about conversion elsewhere, it'll never, never say less. And any time we see that something's necessary for salvation or deliverance or rescue from God, we need to keep that in mind. No case of conversion in the book of Acts tells us everything. No single case of conversion in the book of Acts tells us everything. They must be taken as a whole along with the rest of the New Testament. They tell us a lot. Implied as much. If you will now go to Acts 9. Consider Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26. These are all accounts of the case of conversion of Saul. Certainly one of the most powerful evidences that the Bible is God's Word and that the Gospel is true and changes lives if the Gospel would reach someone like Saul who persecuted the church. In Acts 9 and verse 6 and Acts 22 and verse 10, we are reading in the midst of a vision in which Jesus appears to Saul. While Saul is going to persecute Christians... And Saul asked him the question, What will you have me to do? Acts 9, 6, Acts 22, 10. Putting all three of these accounts of his conversion together is really helpful to appreciating what's going on. According to Acts 9, 9 through 11, he fasted and prayed for three days. Acts 9, 9-11, he fasts and prays for three days. And Ananias comes. And Saul knows he needs to, to respond to Jesus. He has seen Jesus in a vision. He believes. Implication is, is that he has repented of his sin. And Acts twenty two sixteen. 16... 
says, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. No one uses the expression calling on the name of the Lord in the New Testament more than Saul. Acts 2.21, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling on the name of the Lord involves faith and repentance and baptism, trusting in Jesus to save us from our sins by His precious blood. Everybody with me? Acts chapter 10, you can follow right along. Acts 10 and 11, the household of Cornelius. When one examines Acts and, uh, chapter 10 and verse 22, Cornelius has people present to hear Peter. Peter gets there and it's as if there's a house full of people there to hear him. That tells you something about what kind of man Cornelius was. Read Acts 10, 2-4. But as we go on, as Peter recounted back to the brethren at Jerusalem about the conversion of this Gentile and his family, he said he spoke unto them words whereby they could be saved. He spoke to them the saving message of the gospel, Acts eleven fourteen. It is also indicated in that section, verse 18, that God has granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. We can see from the text in Acts 10, Cornelius and his family heard the message. We can see that they believed it. Acts 11.18 tells us they repented of their sins and Acts 10.47 and 48 tells us they were baptized according to the command of God. And if the Bible harmonizes with itself, and it does, they were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and they entered the church of Jesus Christ. Keep going with me. Having looked at Acts chapter 10, let's go to Acts 16. Acts 16. Look at Acts 16 verses 13 through 15. A believer by the name of Lydia and the fact that she is a believer in God, but she hasn't come to Christ in baptism yet, but she will. Notice Acts 16, 13 through 15. Paul and others meet with her and a company that are by the water praying. And they proclaim the gospel. And she believes and is baptized. Do you see that there in the text? Keep working with me. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and following. The conversion of the Philippian jailer and his house. Because of the character of Paul and those with him, when an earthquake occurs and they cry out, Do yourself no harm, we're still here. 
the jailer has heard them singing and praising God when many would have been cursing God as well as the Roman Empire for their imprisonment and mistreatment. The question is asked in Acts 16.30, what must I do to be saved? The answer is given, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, you and your house. Notice the very next verse, the proclamation of the word. The proclamation of the word in Acts 16. And believing of the message is included. And mention is made of the jailer and his family being baptized. I'm sure that that would have been a night that Paul would have never forgotten. And I'm absolutely confident it was a night the jailer and his family never forgot. Because it was the night that they came to Jesus. Acts 17. In Acts 17, Paul is preaching at Athens. And in Acts 17, verse 30 and 31, he talks about the necessity of repentance. Many will realize that maybe not as much good could have been, uh, was done at Athens as should have been done. After the sermon that Paul preaches in Acts 17... After all that he's done and he's so stirred in his heart as he sees the city completely given to idolatry, in Athens there were more idols than there were people. Imagine having the population of idols greater than the actual population of people in a town. That is how full of idolatry it was. But even then, in Acts 17, as you continue reading... In verse 34, Dionysius, the Areopagite, and others join and believe them. Mark that word, they believe, because sometimes, y'all, and especially this is true in the book of Acts, that is theological shorthand for responding to the gospel in all the ways that one should. By that passage, jot down Acts 2.44. All that believed were one. Acts 4 verse 4. The number of believers came to be 4,000, 5,000 and more. It's just a way sometimes of speaking. They became Christians. It's not saying faith only is all that one has to do. The Bible is harmonious. The New Testament is harmonious. Two more passages. Acts 18 and verse 8. Read for us in our scripture reading. The conversion of some Corinthians. And believing, they were baptized. 
This would include Crispus and Gaius and the household of Stephanus, 1 Corinthians 1.14. But notice consistency and harmony. Certainly nothing contradictory in how they respond upon hearing the message of God. Finally, Acts 19 and the, uh, and the conversion of twelve disciples of John who knew only John's baptism. Upon encountering these people, Paul asked, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Acts 19.2 They said, We've not even so much as heard of a Holy Spirit. Paul immediately knew something wasn't quite right. And so he continued to teach them. The best we can tell based on this passage is these are men who had submitted to the baptism of John after Pentecost. After Pentecost. That's the best we can determine. And upon hearing of Jesus and the Spirit, they were baptized. Now here's where it gets extra interesting. I've made some copies of the elements of conversion in the book of Acts and I'll put them on the back tables as you're exiting into the foyer. The Bible in the cases of conversion, the 11 cases that I have just dealt with quickly, surveyed, explicitly mentions... 30 times what was done by people in coming to Jesus. 30 times in those 11 cases. Implication is found another 25 times. One where you know that that has to be there. Even though the text does not expressly state it. No single case of conversion in Acts speaks of everyone and everything that is making salvation possible. But when you put them together, what a grand, grand story it is. The gospel in the book of Acts, much like... This morning, I don't have to offer an invitation because the lesson is one to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, don't delay. I wonder sometimes why people delay coming to Jesus in conversion and being added to his body. What are you waiting for? Young people, are you waiting for camp? They're not going to love you any more at camp than we love you here. People who've attended our assemblies and been our guests for some time but never come to Jesus, why do you wait, friend? We love and care for you, but we cannot love and care for you the way that Jesus does. Please don't delay coming. Those in the first century did not delay. They responded. Let us stand and sing.